four years. So let, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, as we begin this new school year, I pray that these students of all different age ranges, Lord, will one, that if they do not know you, that this school year and then this season, even today, will come to know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, they will hear the gospel and they will believe the truths of the gospel. But Father, for those who, who are believers, I pray that throughout this school year that they will be a salt and light to a darkened world. Lord, that they will be seed sowers of the gospel, proclaimers of the truth, holding a bright light of the gospel high for, for all to see. Lord, help to keep them from temptation, avoid the evil temptations of this world, and to pursue the things of Christ. Lord, surround them with, with positive influences, but also, Lord, help them to be those positive influences. Help them not to flee from the culture, but to, to be an impact within the culture. Lord, we pray for safety. We pray for, for guidance. We pray for wisdom. Lord, watch over these, these students. We use them in mighty ways for your glory. And calm the, these parents' anxious hearts as they send them off to school. Lord, give these parents the ability to, to love with grace and with mercy. Lord, to stand for truth, to make those tough decisions, and continue to point their families to Jesus. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And as we now open up your word, Lord, I pray that you will bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, go ahead and open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Mark as we're continuing in our journey through Mark's Gospel. And as you're opening up the Bibles today, I have a question for you. How many of you would consider yourself to be a good listener? Just be honest for a moment and say, I consider myself to be a good listener. I'm not going to make comments about any of the hands that I see going up in the room, but that's an area of kind of reflection upon ourselves. And the reason I ask us to ask that, questions, ask that question of ourselves is because the main focus of the text today is how we hear spiritual truth. What the text is focusing on today is those who come to gatherings such as this, who, who come to Bible studies, who, who hear the gospel preached, hear it shared, hear it taught, and how they actually hear it. That, that's what the focus of the text is today. In other words, it, it's a text that it's, it's about every single one of us in this room today. The, the, the crowd that we're going to see gathered in the first parable we can see ourselves within that crowd. So last week we concluded chapter 3. And we're making our way fairly quickly through Mark's gospel, uh, believe it or not, where, where Jesus' earthly family in chapter 3 had emphatically concluded that they believed Jesus to be what? Out of his mind. The, the conclusion that the scribes had come to, the religious leaders of the day, the, their conclusion was that, that Jesus was possessed by a demon. 
These are people that you would naturally think that they'd get it, that they'd understand. They would see, okay, this is Jesus for who he really is. But of all the people out there, they don't get it. And in verses 31 through 35 from chapter 3, we saw that Jesus kind of inside a house with everybody kind of gathered around him, his family on the outside of the house. Jesus says something very powerful. When they're asking who is in the family, he says, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. You're going to be inside the family of God. How are you going to be identified? By doing the will of God. Meaning nobody gets into the, to the family because of their genealogy. No one is made right with God because they are a religious person or because they come to church. The only way that we are right with God is by doing the will of God. But despite his statements, the, the crowds continue to grow and they're, they're swelling. And it can be easy to attribute the, the growing of these crowds to the curiosity of the miraculous, of the spectacular seeing all that's taking place or, or the controversy that is in hand, because let's all admit it, we get kind of intrigued by a good controversy. We get turned on the news and we're, we're watching, we're like, oh, that's taking place. So we, we get tuned in to those type of things. Same thing we see happening here. People are kind of listening in. I want to know what's going to take place, but there's something more here as well. There's much more that's taking place here because we can't forget what Jesus said at the very start of his earthly ministry. You remember back in Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, very first words that come out of Jesus' mouth as he starts his earthly ministry, when he said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus is coming out and he's saying, the time is fulfilled. What, what time is fulfilled? All the Old Testament time, everything that had been prophesied, everything that had been proclaimed, it's being fulfilled now. The kingdom that has been prophesied, the kingdom that has been awaiting is now arrived. Repent and believe in the gospel. And here's why we can't forget this. Because this is one of the big reasons why they're gathering here. See, the the miracles, the casting out of demons, all of that of which we see, that's fueling the fire to this understanding of the, the messianic kingdom has arrived. See, we need to understand that the backgrounds of these crowds, people, all of us in this room, we're walking in here today with backgrounds, aren't we? Well, so are the peoples in this crowd. And the peoples in this crowd included, their background included hundreds of years of Old Testament history that was pointing toward the coming Messiah. Pointing toward the kingdom that was going to come and would never end. And there's a growing anticipation that this is it. We're going to see later that these crowds are going to come and they're going to come to a point where they're going to try to take Jesus by force and make him king. That's how convinced they are. Okay, now it has come. And from an earthly perspective, we're sitting there wondering like, why not? (laughs) Why not ride that wave of popularity? Why not ride that? Why not fuel the fire? Why not? But what we'll see and what we're going to continue to see is Jesus does the opposite. And the reason is because these crowds, even his disciples, they don't understand the type of Messiah that he is. They don't understand Jesus to be the suffering servant. They don't understand how Jesus, the king, is going to usher in the kingdom of God. 
It's not computing. It's not making sense with them. Even though they've had it plainly before them for hundreds of years, they just don't get it. So what we see in chapter 4 is we find one of only two teaching sections, large teaching sections, in all of Mark's gospel. The only other one that we're going to see is in Mark chapter 13 with the Olivet Discourse, and that's going to be a lot of fun when we get to that one. But here in chapter 4, we see, picking up in verse 1, Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. Now let's pause just right there for a moment. Now many have the idea that Jesus teaching in parables, or he's teaching in parables here, is to make it easier for people to learn. To make it easier for all the crowd to understand what he's saying. And that's partially true. But it's not totally true. See, parables, what they do is they take one thing, like a lamp, and they place it alongside something, someone else, Jesus in this, in this case, to make up the purpose of clarification. So we, we see that and we think, oh, it's an allegory. Well, it's similar to an allegory, but it's not an allegory. See, allegories can have multiple points. The difference here is a parable typically only has one point. And the thing with a parable is a parable cannot be understood. The point of the parable cannot be understood from the outside looking in. It can only be understood from the inside. Meaning parables cannot be understood apart from the one who's telling the parable. The the parable teller, it holds the key to understanding the parable. So think of it this way. How many of you have ever been to a cathedral in any time with just beautiful stained glass, all right? Now, when you're walking up to that cathedral and you see it from the outside, it's pretty, it's gothic, it's got all, you know, the, the ornate, ornate kind of pictures and visions and all that stuff of everything that's there. But you see the stained glass from the outside and say, eh, it's nice, but no big deal. But if you're inside that cathedral when the sun hits the stained glass, what happens? It's beautiful. It's radiant. It's dull. It's lifeless from the outside. And it's brilliant. And it's radiant from within. The same thing we see with a parable. You're not going to be able to understand a parable from the outside. You can only understand a parable from the inside. So when Jesus is using parables in his teaching, he's doing so really for, for two reasons. One is to conceal, and the other is to reveal. Jesus teaches in parables to to conceal the kingdom of God, his true identity as the Messiah, from outsiders. And he's teaching in parables to reveal his identity, reveal the kingdom of God to insiders. So for those who believe, parables are a means of teaching, making it easier to, to learn. But for unbelievers, who, those who are on the outside, they're a means of judgment. They're not a window to, to look through. They're a door that's there to keep secret the kingdom of God. Which is one of the, the great controversies, the great mysteries, the things that make today's text one of the hardest texts in all of Scripture. We look in Mark, picking up in verse 2. And he was teaching them many things in parables. In his teaching, he said to them, Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. 
Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, again, when we're studying the scriptures, we need to be good listeners. We need to be good observers asking questions. And the first thing you should see here is that he starts his parable and ends his parable with what? Commands to listen. Commands to hear. He bookends it, if you will. He says, listen, hear. (laughs) And and he's not saying like, hear this in a blah, 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 blah type of hearing. We're all good at that type of hearing, right? We've we've got that hearing down pat. Somebody tells you their name and then like moments later, like, oh, yeah, what do they say? I I forgot. Anybody guilty of that? Is that just me at times? All right, we're all guilty of that. It's passive listening that's taking place. It's not that I don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth listening. That's not what we have here. It's that I understand the words that come out of your mouth. That's the listening. That's the hearing that's required here. It's I understand. I believe. I hear. I'm learning from what's being taught. See, hearing is the main point of what we're looking at today. Hearing is going to be found through all of these parables. So as the sower scatters the seed all over the field, all the soil, all of it's receiving the seed. But only the good soil is producing a fruitful crop. Now who's the sower here? Sunday school answer time. Jesus, there you go. Jesus is the answer here. Now, the seed here is the gospel. And the soils are representing all the people who are in the crowd. That's fairly simple to see here. They're all hearing the same gospel, but they don't all hear the gospel. And that's what we need to understand. It's a picture of Jesus' entire earthly ministry. He's teaching in synagogues. He's teaching in houses along the sea. He's everywhere. He's tossing the seed. He's preaching. He's teaching, throwing it out for everybody all over the field. And some is falling on good soil, and a lot is falling on bad soil. And the same thing is happening today as the gospel is preached around the world and even within this room today. But then we come to verse 10. And Jesus is no longer with the crowd here. For the rest of what we're going to look at today, the crowd is gone. The big massive crowd is nowhere to be found. All we have now are Jesus' disciples and those who are close to him around the disciples. And they're asking him about the parables. They're curious. They're wanting to know why he's teaching in parables. So picking up in verse 10, and when he was alone, Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Basically what he's saying is if you don't get this parable, then you're not going to get any of the parables. 
Basically, this is the key to understanding everything else that I'm going to be talking about. If you don't understand this, then you can't understand any of my teachings whatsoever. And I'm just going to be honest with you, church. Jesus' response here can be a little hard to grasp. And it's not so much from an intellectual side, because I think it's pretty straightforward what he's saying. We can see what he's saying. The difficulty that comes in, the difficulty that I wrestle with in my own heart is the emotional difficulty that's there. Because Jesus here responds to their question by quoting Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. And if you're familiar with Isaiah chapter 6 at all, it's where Isaiah sees a vision of the Lord. The Lord calls him, Isaiah uh, heeds, he receives that commission. He says, I'll go for you wherever you want me to go. And, and he says, okay, I'm going to commission you out. And God commissions Isaiah out to preach a message that will have a hardening effect on the hearts of the people of Israel. They're going to hear it, but they're not going to believe it. It's going to have a hardening effect. They're going to hear, but not believe. It's, it, what it is, is, is it's a means of judgment among the, upon the people of Israel for refusing to trust in the promises of God. It was judgment for their unbelief. And that's what we have happening here as well. The gospel is being preached for every single person in that crowd to hear. All of them. So that they may indeed see. See what? See Jesus healing, cleansing lepers and healing paralytics and, and casting out demons. But what they're not going to do, they're not going to perceive. They're going to hear, he's saying, so that they will hear the gospel of the kingdom being proclaimed. They're going to hear stories of radical life transformation. They're, they're going to hear of Jesus forgiving sins. But what they're not going to do, they're not going to understand. He's out of his mind. He's possessed by a demon. And why is this taking place? Lest they turn and be forgiven. Difficult here. That's the emotional difficulty that we see. And it's emotionally difficult, let's be honest, because it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair. But if that's our focus, we're focusing on the wrong thing. That should not be our focus. And here's why. Because we don't understand fair. We have a hard time understanding fair. Fair fair is no one deserves to be forgiven. Not one person deserves to be forgiven. That's what we have trouble comprehending. That we, every single person on the planet, apart from God's grace, we are all bad soil. All of us, we all deserve eternal judgment. But, praise God, there's a verse 11. (laughs) Praise God, there's a verse 11. Just look, look at verse 11, it's back on the screen. The key to understanding this parable, Jesus says to you, who's the you he's talking about here? Who who is the you? It's those who are with him. It's those who are with Jesus. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. How's that, how's, how's, that, how's that received by them? Is it earned? No, what is it? It's given. It's given, not earned. The only reason that these disciples, those with them, know the secret, 
The only reason that they know the secret of the kingdom of God, the only reason that they know Jesus is because he himself has chosen to reveal himself to them. That's grace, church. (laughs) That's grace. It's not merit. But for those outside, everything is in parables. It's it's to be kept secret. They're, They're owed nothing. We're owed nothing. So the only way to hear is is how? By being with Jesus. That's the only way we can hear. Everyone inside the family of God, church, is determined exclusively in one way. By hearing and believing the gospel. Exclusively. We must hear and believe the gospel. And this this is the grace of God again. Our ability to hear is grace. (laughs) The fact if we are able to hear is a means of praising God for the grace that he has bestowed upon our life. It's why we can preach the gospel in a room like this. And you can have people sitting side by side or on the opposite sides of the room hearing the exact same message and respond in radically different ways. It's why... Children can be raised in the same exact home, same type of environment, hearing the same message, and one responds with belief and the other responds with unbelief. It's not because one is better than the other. It's not because one person figured it out. It's not because somebody is more deserving or they just figured out the the key to themselves. None of that Only God makes it possible for someone to hear and believe. All of us are deserving of judgment. But by God's grace, he makes it possible. And this is not something we're to have all figured out. We're never going to have this all figured out. And if we try, we're going to drive ourselves crazy. But Jesus goes on to explain the parable to those who are with him. He lets those who are with him inside the secret here. And he says in verse 14, The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And what Jesus has done here is he, he's laid forth both four different types of soils. And so we're going to look at each of those soils just kind of one at a time to see the application that's coming forth. One, some heart soil is hardened to the gospel. As we see in verse 15 with the seed that is sown along the path, these individuals within the crowd, they're, they're, they're hearing the gospel. But it never begins to grow. It never takes root. The gospel is nothing but foolishness to them. It makes no sense at all. The reason they don't perceive, they don't understand, they don't believe, they even are maybe hostile to the gospel, thus the reason that they are un. 
forgiven. They're hostile. It takes no root. This would describe the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious people in the crowd that day. It would also describe many people that we all know and love. Two, some heart soil is too rocky to receive the gospel. Again, these individuals are in the crowd and they too are are hearing the gospel. And when they hear the gospel, these individuals, they initially receive it with joy. They may even join the church. In fact, we would, we would welcome them into the church. They're professing to know Christ. They're professing to be believers. They may even give evidence of spiritual growth for a season. That's what we begin to see. We affirm them as a Christian. But the problem here is they have no roots. All we're seeing is what's on top. There's nothing substantial underneath. So when tribulations come, When persecutions come on account of the word, these individuals immediately fall away. Sadly, probably the the best warning or the, the example that we have here, which is apropos to this time of season, is when students go off to college. Maybe they've been raised within the church. They've been faithful within the student ministry. And they go off to to school. And when they get off to school for the very first time, they're challenged by their faith. They're they're hearing opposition and tribulation and persecution comes. And then they fall away never to come back. They fall away never to come back. Now this does not mean that they have lost their salvation. Hear me closely here, church. We can never lose our salvation. But if they never come back, it means they never had their salvation to begin with. They never had it to begin with. Which describes most of the people in these large crowds. Most of the people in these large crowds, and again, many people we all know and love. If there is someone that we know that has strayed away from the faith, we don't know if they're ever coming back, brothers and sisters. We have no confidence that they will ever come back. We must not treat them and say, oh, they just kind of slid away for a season or they're just struggling for a time. We must treat them as though they are lost. The only reason that we can ever have confidence of their salvation is if they return to the faith and they continue to press on in the faith. Number three, some heart soil is so thorny it chokes out the gospel. They too hear the word. They also receive the word or appear to receive the word. But eventually they get distracted by the cravings for other things. For the cravings of the things of this world. Slowly but surely other things begin to kind of trickle in. Maybe it's traveling sports teams. Maybe it's a pursuit of wealth and jobs and advancement. And maybe it's a whole host of other things. You name it. All of these things begin to creep in. And what happens? It begins to choke out the Word. Their present life becomes more important to them than the life to come. The stuff and the sports are more important to these individuals than the Savior. They're never genuinely surrendered to Christ. They're never considered genuine followers of Christ. And so even though they claim belief, even though they claim belief, they show themselves to be false disciples, which is a perfect description of Judas, 
who walked with Jesus for three years, but only to fall away. And again, many people we all know and love are described by this as well. In fact, most, not most, but many members and intenders of churches all around the world. Every church has these individuals within them. Number four, some heart, so- some heart soil by God's grace is good to receive the gospel. And like everyone else, they too hear the gospel. The seed is being scattered all over the field, but the difference is, is when they hear the word, it's accepted and it bears lasting fruit. They hear, they believe in Jesus, they're justified, they obey. See, here's the thing, again, church, good heart soil always produces fruit. Always produces fruit. Now, not always equally, and not equally at every season of our life, but as we see listed in these verses, it's going to produce fruit 30-fold some and 60-fold and others, and some are going to produce 100-fold. But all Christians, all Christians will produce fruit. All Christians, when confronted with the Word of God, eventually repent and believe in the Gospel. No Christian, no Christian will ever stay in a perpetual state of unrepentant sin. They will not. So the question is, Which soil are you? Which soil are you? Are you hearing the Word of God today? Are you bearing fruit as evidence of hearing the Word of God? Now he continues on with several other parables, and we're going to look at the next three pretty quickly. Not as much time spent on these, but parable number two, the parable of the lamp under a basket. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be under a basket and, or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For, the, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. We're going to see two things in these five verses. Again, we could camp out here for a long time. But first, the most obvious, Jesus is the lamp. Jesus is the light. And God has sent his lamp, his son, to bring light into the darkness. Now the reality is it's a bit hidden right now. The light is there. But it is not as bright as it one day will be. And not everybody comes to the light, do they? You know what the light does? It kind of has that mice scattering effect. When the the gospel is preached and the truth is proclaimed, the, the mice in their sin begin to scatter. No one likes to be confronted with their sin. But one day, one day, the Lord will come and the entire world will know the light as every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But right now, churches, when we proclaim the gospel, when we are being salt and light to the world, when we're sowing the seed as we're called to do, we need to understand sin is being exposed. Hard hearts are being revealed. Not everyone is going to believe, but some will. Some will. 
See, until Christ returns, until Christ returns, the kingdom of God is being made known through his church. That's God's design. That means we as the church cannot hide the light. We cannot retreat from the culture as is the temptation to create our own separate Christian subculture where we have you know, our nice Christian stuff over here and let's keep the world over there. It's not going to be effective. It's not the means of which God has designed. We can never stop calling sin for what it is even if people call it politically incorrect. We cannot do it. In fact, church, that is the most unloving thing that we could ever do. Churches today that are trying to grow by softening the gospel, making it politically correct gospel, they are not loving churches. They're not. The most unloving thing that we could ever do is to let someone continue in their sin without letting the light expose their sin. We must, as a church, hold the gospel light as high as we possibly can. And then we must trust the Word of God to do the work of God. We can't do it, but God can. Two, be careful how you hear. You personally, us, me, you, all of us, be careful how you hear. Jesus is saying to us, be receptive to the Word today, right now. It's pretty simple and it's direct. If you're receptive to the word of God, you're going to receive more of God. That's what he's communicating here. You will continue to grow in your faith. Now, if you're here today and say, I just don't feel like I'm growing in my faith. Why? First first question I'm going to ask with as much grace as possible, I'm just going to simply ask, are you spending time in the word? Are you spending intentional time in the Word of God? If the answer to that is no, then you can never expect to grow in the faith with any substance. You must be spending time in the Word. And guess what? It takes work. Growing in our faith takes work. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Go after it. (laughs) Go after it with all you have, knowing that if you are in Christ, He's giving you the power to do this. We must get into it, read, go after it, study. And it's going to be harder for different folks, but it's worth it. (laughs) It's so worth it. I kind of think of like a baseball illustration that doesn't apply to baseball, but it's like the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. The spiritually rich get richer. And the spiritually poor get poorer. That's what we see here. What I mean by that is not a health and wealth type of thing. It's not a material blessing kind of thing of any of the sort. It's if we are spending time with God. We are spending time in prayer. We are spending time in His Word. It's like the snowball effect. It just keeps building. It just keeps going. And we grow and we grow and we grow. But if we're not... What happens when that, the sun hits after a, a snow? And you've got these giant snowballs, right? <laughs> and the sun begins to melt them. And you've got this little bit of one over here. What happens? It's gone quick, isn't it? You lose it. It's gone. The point we're making here is that walking with Christ yesterday other than helping us grow in our faith, cannot be placed as determining that we are walking with Christ today. Just because you say, I believe then, 
Are you believing now? Are you walking with Christ now? Are you growing in your faith today? We're not focused on yesterday. Praying that yesterday has built you to where you are today. But are you growing in your faith today? Are you producing fruit today? Parable number three. The parable of the seed growing. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Again, two things from here. The first, the man scatters and sleeps. God gives the growth. We sow the seed. All of us as Christians, we are the seed sowers. We share the gospel. Not necessarily theological discourses. There may be a time and a place, but we're just telling people about Jesus. We're telling people the the gospel. And then what do we do? We sleep. (laughs) We sleep. Yes, there's a lost world out there. Yes, it, it seems like it's impossible. But we sow the seed and then we sleep. We're not out there testing the soil to see if it's good soil. Let me go over to this part of Charlestown and maybe it's going to have some really good soil. Oh, let me go. Ah, that's bad soil over there. We're not going to work on it. Where's Jesus throwing the, soil, the seed? Tossing it everywhere. All over the place. Church, we are seed sowers, not soil testers. We need to remember that. See, we sow the seed and then we go to sleep. We rest. How's that possible? Because we know it's God who gives the growth. It's God who gives the growth. As Charles Spurgeon once said, the word is like a lion. Let it out of its cage. Let it out of its cage. Let the word of God do the work of God. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to do this on our own. We don't, we don't save anyone. God does. Isn't that comforting? It is to me to know we don't save a soul, but God does. He can use my messed up words to bring people to saving faith in Christ. Number two, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. When the gospel is preached, when the gospel is shared, when the gospel is taught, it will 100% most definitively produce a harvest. We may not see it. That's the frustrating part of gospel ministry. (laughs) We don't always see what's taking place on the inside. At least when I mow my yard, I can see the results, right? For like an hour. And then with all this rain, it's growing back up with the weeds. But anyway, we we can't always see what's taking place, but it's going to happen. God is in control. God has promised it's going to happen. And guess who's going to get all the credit? God is. Not us. They're not going to look back one day and be like, man, they had some really good things to get them in. (laughs) Oh, man, you see how they did that? God gets all the credit. But when the sickle finally hits, when the harvest time finally comes, so will judgment. And there will be no more chance to sow seed. There will be no more chance to hear. And brothers and sisters, again, judgment is coming. And it's a reminder of two things within, to every one of us in this room today. One, it's a reminder that we need to, to hear the gospel and continue to hear the gospel. It's also the reminder that we need to continue sowing the seed. 
we need to continue to sow the seed and pray for those who do not know Christ to come to faith in Christ. Parable number four. The parable of the mustard seed. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seed on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. We need to understand that we're a part of something that's pretty huge. It's massive. It's bigger than anything that we could ever begin to comprehend. What we are a part of, church, is absolutely incredible. But it didn't always look that way. Do you remember when God called Abraham? He was a pagan. He was an outsider. There's nothing that would make him say, oh yeah, I'm going to use that guy. He's going to make me a great nation. He and his family, they were infertile, unable to have children. God does it all. What happened with him? He listened. He heard. And he believed the gospel. He believed when God called. He responded when God called. The great nation that God had promised didn't start out looking like much. These 12 disciples didn't seem like much of a way to usher in the kingdom of God, is it? But when we look at it, it's all man-centered thinking. Because it's God who gives the growth. It's God who gives the increase. There's nothing we can do, even our things that we mess up on, nothing can thwart the plans or stop the advancement of the kingdom of God. It is going to happen. Nothing is going to stop it. Again, we do not have to reinvent the wheel. We just need to be faithful what he has called us to do. We need to be sowing the seed and making disciples. It's that simple, yet that profound. That's what he has called us to do. So we look in verse 33, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So today, as the gospel seed is scattered across this room, are you on the inside? Are you on the inside beholding the beauty of Jesus? Beholding the beauty and the majesty of Christ? Or are you outside the door? And if you're outside the door today, I want to encourage you to do this. Knock. Knock on that door. Knock as loud and as hard as you possibly can. Hear the gospel today and come inside and behold Jesus, the Son of God. Come inside and receive Christ in all His beauty, in all His glory, and treasure Him this day and forevermore. And if you are already on the inside, if you already are treasuring Christ, keep hearing Keep listening. Keep treasuring. Don't stop. Let those roots continue to go deeper and deeper and deeper. Continue to dive more and more into His Word. Continue to uncover the gems of the glory of Christ that are revealed in Scripture and do it until you take your very last breath. Church, it's worth it. (laughs) This Christ of who we proclaim, He is all glorious. (laughs) And those who are on the outside, yeah, they're going to look and be like, what in the world? 
It makes absolutely no sense. But we who are on the inside, with arms raised, we can stand firm and know in the power of the cross, we are saved. Lord, as we come today, your grace is immeasurable. Forgive us. Forgive us for even hinting or believing in any capacity that we deserve your grace. We admit we deserve nothing but your wrath. But by your grace, you have made it possible for us to hear the gospel and believe. Now, O Lord, may we be faithful, obedient sharers of the gospel. May we stand as bright lights in this dark world. And just being real with my own heart, sometimes it feels hopeless as as we watch what's taking place in the world around us, the events in our world. But Lord, let us not be driven to despair. Rather, may we be steadfast in our confidence in your providential and sovereign hand. May we be faithful seed sowers May we sleep well and trust your word to do your work. Let the good soil be abundant in this room and in throughout the world. Let everyone here believe and call upon your name and be saved. And do it all for your glory. Lord, even now, Lord, as we stand at the conclusion of this prayer and as as we begin to sing, Lord, may we sing the gospel. May we rejoice in your grace. May we hear and never stop hearing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me?